a surprise to some of you. Um, I, well, let's pray real quick and then we'll, we'll start. Um, Heavenly Father, I pray that you would, pray that you be with us this morning as we, uh, as we come to you in prayer, as we, as we hear the word this morning. I pray that you would um, be with me and help me to not get in the way of, of your gospel being proclaimed. Help me to not get in the way of what your word contains. Um, help me to not, uh, not insert my own agenda or my own direction, but, but rather help me to be a person who um, is just a conduit of your grace. And I pray, Lord, that the folks who are here, that they would hear from you. Um, not, not from me, but from you, Lord, that, that your spirit would speak through my, um, my uh, confused ramblings and, and that uh, your spirit would plant seeds of, of new life in the folks who are here. In Christ's name, amen. It might come as a surprise to some of y'all that I am old enough as to where I can barely remember graduating from high school. Uh, some of that may have been because I was not a very focused individual, um, and some of it may be because it was like a whole ten years ago. Um, but, <laughs> but I remember when I went from high school to college, there were a handful of things that I was supposed to have learned that did not make a transition into the college setting. Right. I um, part of what they teach you and I I discovered this um, in in school. If you go to school long enough, um, what they teach you in high school is like the basics and how to go to college. And when you go to college, they teach you the basics and how to go to graduate school or work if you're smart. Um, Or if you're like me, you go to graduate school and you discover they teach you the basics and how to get a doctorate. And like a huge chunk of every component of education is this building process. Well, I went to high school and I was not a very good student. I may not have been a very good student in junior high or elementary school, um, but I, I did not learn some things I was supposed to learn. And so when I got to college, I did not study. And I did not prepare well for tests. And I did not start proofreading papers until my senior year. Um, I did not, there were just a ton, actually, I don't think I started proofreading papers until I was in seminary. Um, and then I was married and I had my wife do it. Um, but there are all these things I was supposed to learn, all of these like seeds of wisdom and knowledge and process and information that were planted deep inside me that didn't go anywhere. Anybody ever experienced that planting seeds in the ground or in another person's life? And you watch those seeds lie fallow and never turn into anything. Um, the reality is that as important as this day is for like all the folks who are graduating from high school and for all of you who graduated from high school or will one day graduate or whatever, like as important as it is, it only has value if the information that is implanted grows into something more and turns into something valuable. Does that make sense? Otherwise, it is a piece of paper that you might put on a wall or you might lose if you're me. Um, and and it just it's a day that went by where we got to have parties and everything else. As we dive into our text today, um, we're kind of finishing up Peter's ethical teachings here. This is the very last sermon on Peter's ethical teachings. And Jeremy will preach next week. And he's going to start in on some persecution-related stuff. But as we dive into this, understand that what Peter is doing here, he's giving a list of do, 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 right? 
do this, do this, do this, do this. And these are not, they are not just a list of rules to follow. They are an example of what the perfect version looks like. I have never been to a 4-H anything. Nobody in their right mind should let me near a farm or farming practices. Um, but Larry does, so ha-ha. Um, but, but my understanding is that at 4-H, they look for a perfect example of whatever it is that you're bringing, right? So this is my perfect ear of corn, right? Or this is my perfect motor I rebuilt. Or this is my perfect, they judge like the perfect pig against the other perfect pig. Do I have it down pretty good? I got that from Napoleon Dynamite. Um, <clears throat> what, Paul, uh, what Peter is laying out here is a perfect version of what a believer will look like. And so, like, as we dive into this, understand over and over and over again, this is the perfect version. Got it? This is what you should look like if your plants come out looking the way they're supposed to. If those seeds that have been planted in your heart, soul, and mind grow into something worthwhile. This is a mirror. Are you all with me? Anybody have a mirror in their house? Anybody wish they didn't have a mirror in their house as they've gotten older? Um, So, like, this is the mirror of the text. And so we're going to dive into this a little real quick. This is Peter's first of two letters. Um, This is the Apostle Peter, the rock on which the church was built. This is the Peter who denied Christ. This is the Peter who led the world, like the churches of the world, until um, he went into hiding and James took over. And we're going to read a little bit of James this morning as well. Um, and, And this letter is like a big circular letter. It went to all of these different groups in Asia Minor. Um, a lot of these folks were like poor, uh, they were disadvantaged, they were, uh, there were a lot of women, there were a lot of slaves, there were people who were not of high social standing, and he addresses a lot of this, they're undergoing persecution, he addresses that, um, and he is basically teaching them, this is how you be Christians. And so, like, as we're diving into this, one other thing, this is at the tail end of a household code. There was a whole bunch of people, as you deal with the government, this is how you do it. Wives, as you deal with your husbands, this is how you do it. Husbands, as you deal with your wives, this is how you do it. And we get all the way down here, and now he says this is the perfect version. So we're going to look at the perfect version. Um, This is the fruit of, like, good planted stuff growing out of you. Um, I'm going to say it over and over again. You're going to hear me say it over and over again. This is the fruit that is coming off the vine. So um, one last thing, and then we'll get to the text itself. Um, I'm quoting this particular verse, but this is something that Peter does several times in his text. Uh, 3.15, which is right in the middle of the household codes, he says, But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Now, this is the beginning point from which everything grows. And so everything he's telling you, you should do this, you should do that, this is important, this is important, that's what you should do. It all grows out of this idea that we put Christ as Lord in our hearts. And we think of hearts because we've listened to like 60 years of bad pop songs, right? We think of hearts as that feeling center of you that gets all warm and squishy when you're near the one you... It's not that, okay? Like, heart in this setting refers to the place inside you that all of your actions spring out of. So if Christ is at the center of all that, everything you do comes out of Christ as Lord. Lord is a funny word. It means boss. It means commander. It means owner. It means king. So, like, we are to put Christ in this spot where he is the boss, the commander, the leader, in the center of all of our outward action. And so Peter lays this out. Hey, 
revere Christ as Lord in your heart. Like, this is it. He is the boss. Everything comes out of that. So, this is our text. We're going to start here. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be alert and of sober mind so that you may pray. Now, we're actually going to work through the text quick because this is like straightforward as it gets, right? Um, the first line of this verse, the first little sentence, the end of all things is near. We see this in the scriptures over and over again, and it is super easy to blow by it because Peter wrote this like almost two millennia ago. And near then is a relative term. Got it? Like, he is saying, listen, Christ is coming back. You don't know when it's going to happen. Um, It might happen tomorrow. It might happen before I finish this sermon. It might happen before graduation Sunday is over. It might happen, like, before your grandchildren are born. It might happen in another thousand years. We don't know. Christ told us. We don't know the day and the hour. But Christ warned over and over again, Take it seriously because it's going to happen, and you don't know when, and when it happens, it will happen. Now, mind you, the end of all things is one element of that. The end of you is going to happen, too. I don't mean to burst your bubbles. I mean to make you uncomfortable. But no one in this room will walk this earth forever, right? All of us are temporary. All of us have an expiration date. All of us have a fuse in us that is burning down. And so when Peter says this, the end of all things is near, what he's trying to do is put it out there that like, hey, the day is coming. You do not have forever to do this. This is not a, like Eric writing a paper. Oh, I can do that the morning of, right? This is a, it's coming, pay attention. It's coming, pay attention. Be urgent, be serious, do it. Um, Peter is putting this out there because he doesn't want to take them to take this lightly. This stuff is huge. The other reason this is important, now watch this, and it's also huge. If Larry were to plant all of his seeds for the season in early July, how would his farm do? Pretty bad, right? Why? There's not enough time for good things to grow. Um, what Peter is talking about, these good things Peter is laying out, Um, They are things that will take time to grow in you. Spiritual maturity is not instant. You have to work at it. You have to tend your garden. Um, In school, you have to study. You've got to prepare. You've got to practice. You've got to do your stuff. And then graduation is the point where, like, oh, the plan has grown. Now I actually really start life, right? Like, as we grow spiritually, this takes time. You will not do it the week of. Right? Um, there are folks who say, well, I'll repent on my deathbed. It's a bad idea. Number one, because you know your deathbed's coming. And number two, um, because maturing and growing spiritually will affect our eternity. Um, it is a big deal. Um, it will determine how the rest of your life goes. I remember people told me forever and ever, Eric, you actually have to try hard in high school or college will not be a thing. And when I got done with high school and I had like a... I had a very low GPA. Um, all of a sudden, I couldn't get scholarships, and I couldn't afford to go to school, and good schools wouldn't take me. And, oh, my gosh, all of those people were right. What a bunch of jerks. <laughs> um, the reality is that our spiritual state is like that. There is a next step, and we have to be prepare, prepared for it. Therefore, be alert. Pay attention. Pay attention. Be alert. Be on it. And be sober-minded. 
so that you may pray. This is a callback to what Peter said to husbands. He said, listen, treat your wives right so that your prayers won't be hindered. And what he's saying there is like, hey, look, if you're going to pray, understand if you're mistreating your wife, there's going to be a problem with how God listens to you. Meaning he ain't. You all with me? Like, you have to treat your wife right or God ain't going to take it lightly. That is a big deal. Um, we are to be sober-minded. We are not to let our emotions rule us. We're not going to chase after every little whim we have. We're not going to be, like, falling asleep at the wheel because otherwise, like, our prayers will be hindered. It will create a stumbling block where we won't pray. Or when we do pray, we've created a condition where God is like, really, this is what you want? My kids do that to me sometimes. Um, at, Titus had a tantrum in Walmart. And it was great because it was Walmart, so we noticed. Um, but, like, he had this tantrum in Walmart, and I finally calmed him down. And the very next thing he said was, Dad, can I have that? And the answer is, you just screamed at me in a public place. No, you cannot have that. In fact, you will never have that again. We're never buying cereal forever. Um, <laughs> Uh, obviously, God is more gracious than I am, um, and I probably will buy cereal. Um, <laughs> the, the idea here is, like, we need to be right because when we talk to God, when we engage with God, we have to be in relationship with him. We have to be in connection. We have to have that thing going on. God is gracious. God is forgiving. God is loving. He has done so much to redeem you. He sent his son to die for you, but you've got to be right with him. You cannot take him lightly and assume that he's like Santa Claus. Oh, he doesn't notice when I'm actually bad. Right? Because Santa actually doesn't. Anyway. Um, So, eight. Above all, love each other deeply. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Now, this is kind of a tricky verse, but we're going to start going quicker and quicker here. This is Peter echoing the words of Jesus. At the Last Supper, Jesus has just washed his disciples' feet. He has gotten down on his hands and knees and, like, the nasty, stinky feet of his disciples. The most humiliating cultural thing you could do was, like, wash another person's feet. The lowest of the low positions, he went around and he washed the disciples' feet. And um, humiliated himself. And they were all scandalized that he would do this. He even washed Judas's feet. And then he says, hey, one of you is about to betray me. And then he turns around and he says this. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. But this, every, by this everyone will know you are my disciples if you love one another. Um, Christ loved his disciples, even the ones that were about to betray him. Right? It's not like he said, oh, Judas, I'm skipping you. He loved even the jerks. Like, you all know jerks, right? I mean, don't point at me or anyone else. Um, But, like, Christ loved those people. You could back up and say, well, I shouldn't love that guy because he's a jerk. Or I shouldn't love this person. They take advantage of me. Or I shouldn't love that person. They're a hypocrite. I shouldn't love that person. Love is not this optional thing. Christ loved me when I was was drunk all the time. Christ loved me when I was nasty to people around me. Christ loved me when I was self-centered and bitter. Christ loved me when I was broken through and through. Christ loved me enough to die for me. Um, And I love y'all. Like, that is my calling. That is how we know that, that, that we're disciples. That's how people can look at you. Like, that is the surest thing. You look at someone and say, do they love the people around them? Do they love their brothers and sisters in Christ? Or are they full of bitterness and vileness and complaint and everything else? Like, that is a clear one way or the other, right? 
And, like, I'm not saying, oh, well, God spits you out of his mouth, but, like, this is a thing. This is a mirror. What is the perfect version of us? We're Jesus' disciples if we love, right? And so as you're sitting there, this is the mirror, right? And we'll go back to Peter. This mirror he's holding up. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? Love covers a multitude of sins. Does that mean if I love Daniel that God forgives me? No. Um, We're forgiven because of Christ. Like I am in Christ. I am forgiven. What that means is um, if Daniel does stuff that offends me, and I'm picking Daniel because he is the least offensive person I know. Um, If Daniel does a bunch of stuff that offends me and I'm constantly grinding my teeth at him, um, I'm, I'm not acting in a loving way. Like I'm, that bitterness and like pouring gas on it. Y'all ever do that? You get mad at someone and you go home at night and you pour gas on that fire to keep it going and get it hotter and you're grinding your teeth while you're sleeping because you're so mad at so-and-so. He's such a big jerk. Um, if I love Daniel and Daniel steps on my feet physically or metaphorically, right? Like I can sort of look away from that because I love him, Right? It's easier to let go of something. I might fly off the handle and scream at him, but that's not this. That's me looking in the mirror and saying, oh, man, I got barbecue sauce all over my face. Right? Um, The best example I can point to in this is your children. When your kids are little, they say the nastiest, meanest things to their parents. Isn't it true? I hate you. I blah, 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 blah. And like they're self-centered because they're children and they demand so much, but you love them and you love them when they sin and you love them when they cross you. You love them when they hate you. You love them when they're blowing it big time. You love them no matter what. This is what we're supposed to have for each other. So that means I deal with y'all. This is the attitude I'm supposed to have. Do I have it all the time? No, I try because but I'm a work in progress. I am in the school portion where I'm learning to apply that algebra that they say, this you'll use one day. You won't have a calculator all the time, but I do because I have a phone. Um, <laughs> like you have to learn to do this. This is it. Like this is one of those things we need to learn to do. We need to learn to love each other. Um, so Peter goes on, verse 9, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. This is a time and a place where hospitality was the most fundamental value. Do you all understand me? Like, if you... Actually, this is... I talked about this. I went to Jordan. This is still the case in Jordan, this attitude. I went to Jordan, and the first thing they do when you walk into a store or a house is they give you a cup of tea or a cup of coffee. And that is hospitality. If they don't offer you coffee, it is insulting to them. They consider it to be, like, a shame on their household. I was in a hotel... And they gave me this coffee. And the coffee in Jordan is amazing. I don't even, it's like magic. And like, I drank this little shot glass of coffee they gave me. And I was like, man, that was great. I wish I had more. So I went over to the pot and I poured myself another cup and I shot it down and I poured another cup. And the guy at the counter saw me serving myself coffee. He called in the doorman and dressed him down left and right. That man is serving himself coffee. Our hospitality is garbage. You get over there. And he stood by that coffee pot the entire time I was in the lobby to make sure that he was ready to pour me another cup. Because for them to fail to serve me disgraces them. When Peter says, offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, like in the ancient world, if somebody came to your house after traveling and said, hey, I need a place to stay, and you said, nope, not helping you, they could like reasonably die. 
right? Like they could die of thirst or starvation or like, like wolves could eat them or, I mean, like these things have bandits could kill them. Like this could really happen. And so like this person, it'd be like driving to Ekalaka and passing a guy on the side of the road broken down. And you see that guy and you say, somebody else will take care of him. But somebody ain't coming along for four or five days. And there are wolves down there. It's like the old west. The next stagecoach goes by eventually. Um, <laughs> we take care of each other. Like, like in this culture, it was a take care of people or they'll die. Offer hospitality without grumbling. Love people without complaining. Um, take care of them without complaining. In our culture, this goes beyond that because most of us aren't going to starve to death. Um, some of this is when people like encounter you, love them. I'll tell you, in this church, if somebody walks in the door, show them hospitality. Shake their hand. Ask them their name. Show them you love them, right? If somebody's here and they smell bad, show them extra hospitality, right? If somebody's here and they're uncomfortable to be around, show them even more hospitality. People should come in this place and get a cold, cool, wonderful glass of I love you, this is what Jesus is like. Because in our culture, distance and coldness and separation is a plague. Depression is something that eats us up. Um, that's been about farmers all over the news right now, right? Like people are alone in our culture. I mean, if somebody walks in the door, love them. If somebody is alone, visit them, right? If somebody had somebody, uh, like actually, um, I had somebody I was talking to a year or so ago, and they said, you know what I really appreciate? is the entire, like, 20, 30 years I've known Frances, she calls me once a week because she knows I get depressed. That is offering hospitality without grumbling, right? Um, Ten, each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Many of us have gifts, and many of us use those gifts to our own benefit. Amen? Some of us are charming, and we use it to, like, get what we want from people. Some of us are, you know, very skilled with, you know, woodwork or, you know, doing odd jobs or whatever. Some, like, like, and we use it to make money or we use it to gain advantage. Peter is saying God has given you gifts not for the purpose of you, but for the purpose of everyone else. Um, we are given gifts to serve others, to love others. Um, I am given, you know, I'm given the blessings I'm given to take care of y'all. Y'all are given the blessings you're given to take care of each other. Um, this is what the body of Christ is supposed to be. All of that learning and growing should grow into this. Take care of each other with the spiritual, financial, time, emotional, whatever gifts you have. Use it to take care of each other. This is what God commands us to do. This is what a mature believer looks like. If Christ is at the center of you in that heart place, outward action is... Take care of each other. If anyone speaks, he should do so as, unto the, as, as one who speaks the very words of God. If anyone serves, they should do so with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. So whatever you say, whatever you do, do it like you're speaking God's words or like you're serving God himself. Anybody feel a little small right now? I'm a guy who, for worse or for worse, I say a lot. And I say a lot of dumb stuff. And that is the hardest thing in my life. 
Like, because I know I'm supposed to speak the very words of God, and, like, sometimes the very words of God that come out of my mouth are not the very words of God. They're, like, mean, right? Or stupid, or silly, or thoughtless, or whatever. But, like, this is a mature version of a believer. When you speak, it's like you're speaking for God. And actually, there are folks in my life that I've encountered over the years who have spoken to me, and I have heard, like, like it's like hearing from God. It's actually why I started going to church in the first place. Everybody I met in church was people like the way they talked to me. I felt loved, and I heard the gospel, and that's what I wanted. I didn't want anything else. That's what I wanted. Um, the biggest example I'd point to of this, and since they're here, I'm going to put them on the spot. Um, Jeremy Erie, over and over and over again, when I ask him what is the biggest influence in his life ever, he talks about the Andersons. They welcomed him into his ho- their home. They were loving to him. They were firm with him when he was dumb, which was like 80% of the time. Um, they, they took care of him. They showed him Jesus, and he grew into a man of God. That's an example of this. That is how we... Use this to change lives. Um, there are people all around us who need that. If you want to go through this community and look at the people in this town who don't have families, children who don't have fathers, um, women who don't have anyone like watching out for them, uh, neighbors who can't get their lawn mowed because they're getting old and in- infirmed, um, people who have family members that die and then sit alone and wait for nobody to show up, um, like, we're surrounded by this need, folks. You know, I talk about Jeremy because it's easy to pick on, and it's easy to look at a final product and how awesome these guys are and what they did and everything else. But, like, that was God acting through them. The question is, is God acting through you? Um, I think Matthew uh, quotes Christ. He puts it best. Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. What's on your branches? What are you producing? What kind of good stuff is growing out of Christ in you? Like, is Christ the seed that's sprouting out into the actions you're doing? Or is it self-centeredness? Is it bitterness? Is it resentment? Is it want of revenge for things that you've been hurt for before? Is it holding on to the past? Is it this? Is it that? Like, what is it? Like, if Christ is at the center of you, all of the stuff that Peter just listed off, like this speaking the words of God and using your gifts to serve others, this stuff will be natural. You don't even have to try um, I always tell that about to my kids, right? Like, if you leave a sandwich in the living room and the dog is in the living room, the dog is gonna eat it. Why? Because it's a dog. That's all thing. That's like what dogs do. They look around and they steal your food. That's why we have dogs to clean up after the children. Um, <laughs> this is what believers do. By nature, we serve, we love, we take care of, we visit, we hold hands with, we bring food to, we everything. Um, they're not here today, so I'm going to pick on them. Like I, I've been going to the activity center for three or four months, once a week to, to have coffee. I just show up, knock on the door, and drink their coffee. It is the perfect pastor solution. And then I had a couple weeks that were really busy, and Irving that the Sunday, the next Sunday he was in church, I had missed two. And Irving said, Eric, are you going to have coffee with us again? Are you going to push me from the men's home to the activity center this week? Can you do that? Oh, I felt about three inches tall because everything I was busy with wasn't as important as doing that. Right? Um, and then actually I showed up this week and he hollered when I walked in the door. And actually Twyla's smiling because she knows Irving and she knows what this is like. Like he was so excited because... Um, because, because this is how we're Jesus to people sometimes, right? 
shaking hands and loving and visiting and taking care of and being Christ. Sometimes it means speaking the gospel. Um, This is a little harder, and so pay attention when I say this. Um, But when Jesus is talking to the, uh, well, actually self-explanatory, but when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, oh, this is actually John the Baptist, sorry, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not think you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you that out of these stones, God can raise up children of Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Um, What John the Baptist is talking about is like the Jewish people, God's people, um, He's saying to these, these, these religious leaders, hey, act like you're saved. Act like you're repentant. Act like you have new life. Act like people of God. Because if you don't manage it, you're not going to produce fruit, and God's going to cut you down and toss you. And actually, it's ultimately what happens to God's people is God pairs out those that are faithful and follow Christ, and the rest are cut off. And it's this tragic thing. But Christ uses this analogy over and over again, and he uses it in relation to us. We are to produce good fruit. We are to look like people who follow Christ. If we look in the mirror and walk away without changing, without growing, without planting new seeds, there's a problem. If we know the truth and we don't live it, there's a problem. I'm going to introduce something new this week, so hold on to your hats. Um, we're doing discipleship work with the rest of the, with a handful of folks in the church, and we're hopefully going to launch that bigger. But we've sort of divided out four areas where we grow spiritually. These are the four like core things that have to happen in us for us to grow spiritually, right? And for application this week, we're going to go through these and we're going to talk about them. And assuming this clicks well and assuming we like it, this is going to be a standard format forever, okay? Like how are you growing through this sermon? So the question is, seeds are planted. We've looked at the mirrors to what the perfect fruit looks like. It's 4-H day. Is the stuff coming out of your life equivalent to what Peter has put on display? So our four areas of discipleship grow. Um, the first is give it up to Christ. Like the first fundamental thing that we have to do to be a follower of Christ is let him be boss. You belong to him. He runs the show or you are not in his family. That is it. Are you all with me? That's a really hard line, but it is the truth. Jesus said it over and over again. I'm not making it up. I am just relaying what I have learned. Christ is at the center of it all, or, you are, or you're not managing it. And so when we look at different areas of our life, are you giving it to Christ? Like, there are people that I resent, and I struggle with that. And I can back up and be resentful, or I can say, Jesus is in charge of this. I'm going to let him run it. There are times when I don't feel loving because I'm tired and I can back up and I can let Jesus be in control of those areas of my life or I cannot. But that's my decision to control something, right? And that's me stepping away from Christ's lordship in that area of my life. Um, my first question for you as you walk out the door, like, are you somebody who has Christ in this place where love is just pouring out of you on the people around you? Where, like, people encounter you and they say, that guy's attitude is Christ. An even harder question, is your husband or wife going to say that about you? Will your kids say it about you? Um, Because if you're not submitting your life to Christ over and over and over again, by the way, this is something we have to do every day, every day. 
repent and renew. As I was talking, everyone in the room was able to picture somebody they resent. Am I wrong? Or some area where you fell short of this perfect mirror that, that Peter puts up for us. This is what you should look like. How's your 4-H corn? <laughs> or how's your 4-H pig? My pig doesn't have a tail and only three legs. And he's a goat, you know. <laughs> um, if you're able to recognize where you fall short, where you are missing the mark, we are called to repent which means to turn around and go the other way, right? To be different and renew ourselves, to become like Christ. If you have broken relationships because of something you did, go and make it right. When I started doing this as a part of my daily like practice, I drove around to people I had been in fights with years before, and I apologized to them. It was the most miserable experience I've ever had, and I've never felt closer to Jesus than I did then. Um, repent and renew. So we either submit things to Christ we repent and we make ourselves new. We own the ideas. This is huge. This is studying. This is praying. This is reading. This is reflecting. If you have a pen in front of you, there's scripture verses in the bullet, and I got a handful more for you. Um, John 13, Romans 12, 10, uh, 1 Corinthians 11 and 12. By the way, that is or 12 and 13, excuse me. Uh, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. Um, these are scripture verses, big chunks of text or individual verses that relate to what I'm talking about. Um, if you missed them, they'll be on Facebook Live. Um, back up, read them, reflect, and ask yourself, is love pouring out of me? Do I look like Jesus? Talk to them about it. That is a crazy thing. We serve a God where we can go and we can say, Jesus, I'm struggling with this. Can you make it clear? Jesus, I am just not sure how to love this person. Help me know. Like owning an idea is swallowing it, digesting it, gnawing on the bones so you can pull out the good stuff, um, and then talking to God about it. And then finally working it into your life. All of this stuff is nothing if you don't act on it. So if the command is love people, love people, love people, love people, love people, and you don't love people, but you learned all about loving people and you told Jesus that you would definitely start loving people, but you continue to not do it, you're missing the most important step, right? This is a funnel. One leads into the next, leads into the next, leads into the next. As I've been talking today, my question is, how is this look? How are you doing with this? Are we managing it? Like, are you somebody that people look at and they know you are a disciple of Christ because of how you act and because of what your heart looks like? Is that who you are? Like, did you look at Peter's mirror and say, that is me, I have nailed it. Christ said, I'm the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. If Christ is not at the center of who you are, you will not bear good fruit. Everything that is good that happens in you comes out of that. Right? My challenge to you this week is, is to grow in this. My challenge to you this week is to back up and look at everything and say, am I sweating grace onto the people around me? 
Am I speaking the words of God? Am I acting like Jesus? Do people know him better because of me? Um, if you need places to do this, there's a food bank that's run out of this place that is amazing. And Terry has done a fantastic job with it. And he is constantly in need of help. If you want to know who needs visits or who needs a friend just to talk to, come talk to me and I'll point them out to you. Um, or just look around. It's easy. If you resent somebody in this room, like shake their hand and like figure out how to love them. Um, if you're looking for bigger and bigger things, the mission committee has been begging for help. If you have gifts to deal with kids, the nursery needs people. Jeremy and Stephanie, you should say thank you to them. Like they minister to families in this place like nobody I know because they willingly sit down and miss service with, because they're watching kids on a regular basis. Um, like they need folks to help with that. They need Sunday school teachers. Guys, the fields are ripe. There's so much work to do. Um, we need help. Like, is this something, like this grace, this using your gifts to serve, taking care of kids, teaching, loving, serving, building, everything? How are you doing it? Um, what's your fruit look like? I'm going to close in prayer and I'll let you go. And we're going to go eat lunch. Heavenly Father, I pray that you would help us to grow, Lord. I pray that you would help us to, to submit to Christ, to, to repent of the broken areas of our lives, to swallow and, and drink deeply of the gospel and of your scriptures. And Lord God, I pray that it would translate into action that is obvious to everyone around us. Help us to be your children. Over and over again, Lord, we look at Peter's example and we know we can't possibly manage that. But I pray, Lord, that just hearing the word and being challenged in this, that folks would figure out a first step this week, Lord. That we would just just take a first step and then, and then take another. In Christ's holy name I pray. Amen. Have a good Sunday. Oh, uh, luncheon.